19. I want to make mention too, we had a couple of, uh, we had the praise of water coming back, which is a blessing. I came in here on, uh, uh, it was Friday, and our, our pipes were frozen in the new wing, so we had no water to the bathrooms, the water fountains, everything in the new section was not working. So, you know, my, my worry is we can survive. Of course, we had Sunday coming up, uh, you know, and I, I knew we could survive without it. We just blocked them off, but you always worry about pipes bursting or something, and then when it does come back, you flood the place, and we're not here all the time. So, uh, anyway, we had that fixed, and that came back this morning. So we have water this morning. And then we had a furnace go out, and uh, one of the new furnaces in the new area. And so, uh, and that... It's fancy enough, it has a code, so I was able to get the, give the code to uh, the folks that installed it, and they determined that it was ice forming on the top, uh, on the roof up there. So I sent Pastor Forsberg up there with a hairdryer, <laughs> and he stood there with a hairdryer. Now we have, no, I'm kidding. We've waited it out. I knew warm weather was coming. I just shut the furnace off, let the others do the work, and we got that. That came on today again. So praise the Lord, we're, we're running full steam here now. Praise the Lord for that. 1 Samuel chapter 14, this uh, chapter revolves around Saul, a decree he makes for his soldiers not to eat for a time. Now, we're not going to get to that tonight. We'll get to that next week. But uh, the, the decree was like a lot of laws in our land, dumb. Okay, There's some things that are made that just don't make any sense and are actually are are worse for people. It burdened the people instead of bettering the people. How many of our laws in our land burden us rather than better us? Amen? And a lot of laws are made. In fact, we're going to talk about that a little bit on Sunday morning uh, or our Sunday night in our servant leadership uh, series because is working on it today about when servanthood turns into or when, when servant leadership turns into lordship, all of a sudden, instead of serving the people, it's about the people serving me now. And that's kind of the shift our government's taken and others as well. But uh, and by the way, that's a shift Saul's taking too. Saul was supposed to be for the people and a servant of the people. Now he wants them to serve him. And everything changes when that happens. And it shows how unwise Saul was as a king. We have many of those unwise leaders as well, even today. Uh, it often seems that the higher one moves in the government or in the post of authority that they have, the dumber they get. Sometimes it seems like that. Not always, but sometimes that seems like the case. The last time we saw the decline of Saul after he initially became king, and tonight we're going to see the beginning of his decline in governing the people. Uh, it always follows. As your character declines, your performance will decline. It always happens that way. Uh, we were just talking, Brother Larry, tonight while we're uh, praying together. It's not; it's your attitude, not your aptitude, that determines your altitude. And character is just as important as skill and all those other things sometimes in uh, helping your success. And so Saul's character was weak, therefore his leadership was going to be weak. You cannot have a strong leader with a weak character. So, what, by the way, what should we work on then? Not just our leadership abilities, although that's part of it, work on the character part and work on the inside and then the outside will come from it. So let's look at some events leading up to this point. Let's start reading. Uh, we'll just read. start re reading verse 1. and I might stop reading before uh, we actually go, go through some of the verses later, but let's just get started tonight. Chapter 14, verse 1, 1 Samuel. Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, 
and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side, but he told not his father. Interesting. Not going to dwell on that too much, but I, I find that interesting. Uh, there's reason for that. We'll see it in a minute. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migran, and the people that were with him were about 600 men. Got the count? Saul has 600. Jonathan has one. And Ahiah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. The people knew not that Jonathan was gone. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over into the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. That's a cliff, by the way, what that's referring to. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Sina. The forefront of the one was situate north word over against Michmash, and the other was southward against Gibeah. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over into the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Isn't that a wonderful attitude to have? God can do it with a lot of people, or God can do it with just us. He is not constrained. So let's go and just see if God can't use us. I like that attitude. Rather than waiting on God to do something, I'm going to get involved and then let's see if God can't use my efforts to further his cause. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do that, do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. With the mindset of what we're talking about on Sunday nights with the servant leadership, uh, that verse impresses me there because I, I am a, I've long been a student of leadership. I love to study it. I like to read about it. I like to uh, improve myself in it. And to have somebody that this looks like a suicide mission, and he says, wherever you go, I'm with you. Do whatever you feels right, and I'm right with you. Uh, that's a blessing to have somebody like that, and we'll, we'll discuss that as we go forward too. Thank you, Father, for the reading of your word. I pray you use it now tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. The Philistines here had invaded Israel. They needed to be driven out of the land. And so through the courage of Jonathan, uh, this was Saul's son. Obviously, I think we gathered that. Uh, there was a great conquest of the Philistines. They were driven out of the land. God used Jonathan. It was during this time that Saul would make this decree that we'll get to next week. So I won't discuss that too much. But look at what happened. We read in verse 1 that uh, this, the uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer decided to go into the Philistines' garrison that was on the other side. It's too bad that Jonathan wasn't chosen to be king, really, if you look at this, because uh, he had the character. Uh, he was a true patriot. He was a man of character. We're going to see that even more as we uh, develop the story with him. You'd think that Saul might initiate the t attack of the Philistines. Remember, he has 600 people. But it wasn't Saul, it was Jonathan. Saul was not performing well, uh, even though he was the king of Israel. He's the one that had the authority. He should have been, but he wasn't. It's the same will happen when the Philistine giant is walking up and down the valley challenging God's people, and the leader of God's people is in his tent when he should have been the one uh, doing the battle. And it takes a shepherd boy to bring, win the victory because Saul isn't doing his job. So, the Philistine garrison here that uh, John referred to, uh, he, the, it's, uh, they're a few miles from the garrison, Saul's army is, 
and uh, it would require some walking and some climbing to get to the point where they could attack. But Jonathan took his duty very seriously. Unlike Saul, Jonathan focused on the responsibilities of his position, not the privileges and the honors of his position. Remember, uh, Jonathan was the king's son. He was the prince, if you will. And uh, how many how many kids of billionaires and CEOs today do we see that are just an all-out disaster? But here was a young man with character, and he didn't, you know, he could have said, look, I'm the king's son, I don't have to go out to war, and he didn't, but he went because he was a patriot, and he wanted to do the right thing for the Lord. And uh, this is what prevents complaining and moaning about our difficulties if we are more serious about our responsibility than we are about our privileges. Uh, We need to focus on our duties, not like Saul did on the ease of duty, uh, the easy taking the easy path. When we do our duty, not for duty's sake, but because we believe God controls our circumstances, then at that point of obedience, the whole grace of God is ours. I don't know who made that statement, but I do like uh, there's so much truth in that. And where was Saul during all this? He tarried in the uttermost parts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree. With him were about 600 men. There's procrastination in his actions here. The Bible says he tarried. He's putting off his duty. Saul was lazy, which promotes carelessness. There was cowardice in this as well. He had his army with him, but he was not going forward in his duty. He should have been out uh, engaging the enemy, driving them out of the land. It also speaks of his comfortableness, if that's a word, his comfort, his seeking for comfort. Uh, He is sitting in the shade uh, when he should have been out doing uh, battle, uh, out taking care of business there. Like many rulers, Saul was more concerned about the comforts than he was about his duty. This is the reason so many people today, by the way, ignore their duties, doing what they should. Uh, going to church, doing, serving God, being faithful, doing those things. Sometimes it takes a little bit of effort. I was talking to somebody recently, I, I forget when it was, but Evidently, SDSU just had a football game not too long ago where it was really, really bad weather. I don't know. If that, I was talking to somebody who was telling me about the uh, people just bundled up and huddled out in this. And I hear stuff like that, and it's all that my, all takes everything I have not for my teeth not to grind. Because we have people that won't come to church because it's two degrees too cool. You know, it's, it's, a little, it's a little stuffy in there. It's a little cool. I have to wear a sweater. And uh, then you have people going to football games in sub-zero temperatures and shiver through the whole thing. Uh, where is our desire at? And it's not for, the, for, for heavenly things. With him were about 600 men. With Jonathan was one man, his armor bearer. Saul had a lot more help than Jonathan did, but he did a lot less. Goes back to his character. Goes back to what we're willing to do, put ourselves out there. Saul was a poor leader. His problem was not a lack of capability. His problem was a lack of character. And he had the capability. He had the people to do it with. Now, of course, humanly speaking, oh, but the Philistines have so much more than 600. Yeah, they got a lot more than two also. But two did it. I think 600 could have done it. Like like Saul, uh, like Jonathan told his armor, God can do it with a few or God can do it with a lot. He was putting all his trust in the Lord. A lot more character than his father had. He had 600 men but did not utilize them. Him and his soldiers just sat around twiddling their thumbs, doing nothing. Jonathan had one man, 
And he uh, started out uh, to do God's work with that one man. Verses 1 and verse 3. I, I think it's interesting. I mentioned it a while ago. He told not his father. The end of verse 1 there. He, he pro- it was probably a wise thing. Because otherwise, Saul would have most assuredly forbidden him to act. If he's not going to act with 600, he's not going to let Jonathan act with one. And so Saul was in no mood to attack the Philistines, no mood to do what he should have done. And uh, he wouldn't want Jonathan to show him up uh, with, with his one, of course. When somebody is not doing as they should, they will always be frustrated by people who are doing what they should. They'll be criticizing. Uh, they'll have bad attitudes about it. The best thing for us to do is just simply do what Jonathan did. Keep our heads down, do our duty. Do what God wants us to do. Just get involved and get busy for God. Don't wait around for someone to hold your hand. It's not going to happen. Don't wait around for the red carpet to roll out. Just get busy and do what God wants us to do. Now look at the circumstances here, verse 4. Between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over into the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side, a sharp rock on the other side. Uh, this, this, is a, this is cliffs here that they have to basically scale. And verse 8, look at what it says. Behold, we will pass over into these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. Now get that picture. The Philistines garrison, got a lot of soldiers, so essentially going to pop up over this cliff and discover ourselves. Or, hey, I'm over here, whatever that discover ourselves means to show them that we're there. Now, this plan is not an easy one. The Philistines had a fortress, sort of a plateau here, so they'd have to scale these cliffs, these rocks, and uh, they would surprise the Philistines by showing up, discover ourselves unto them. If things went right, Saul, uh, Jonathan's plan could uh, surprise them, could catch them off guard, could terrify them, uh, and permit Jonathan to attack and his armor bearer to attack and maybe kill a number of them, and they would flee and start fighting each other. By the way, exactly what ended up happening. Jonathan turned his difficult circumstances into his advantage. I love this attitude. Instead of lamenting uh, how bad his situation was, he acted in spite and despite his situation, his circumstances. The pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. Which one are you? Which one are, which one are we going to be? We have that choice uh, every day that we live our life. Obviously, Saul is a pessimist. He sees a difficulty in his opportunity. And Jonathan is an optimist. He sees an opportunity in the difficulty. And so he acts despite it. Uh, you can tell which one he was. Booker T. Washington. Success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles that he overcame to get to that position. And this is what really measures a man. What, what measures a man is not so much where you are, but what it takes to stop you. What does it take to stop you from doing what God wants you to do? What does it take to stop you from being faithful to church? What does it take you to stop you from witnessing to that neighbor? To whatever God wants us to do, uh, that's really our true measure. Look at verse number 6 and 7. Come, let us go over into the garrison of the uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. There is no restraint to the Lord to say by many or by few. Here you have supreme confidence in the Lord and confidence in the leader, by the way, as well. We see both. It may be that the Lord will work for us. That shows Jonathan's reliance on the Lord, complete trust in him. He knows that he has to have God's providence. It's a 
big word, providence. And really all that means is God's adjustment of circumstances. That God's providence. Sometimes he adjusts our circumstances for us. Uh, he knows he's going to need God's providence to succeed. And uh, he believes with God's help, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? Jonathan and his armor bearer are going to be greatly outnumbered in this attack, but numbers are not essential for God to work. We see that over and over in the Bible. And why is it so hard for us to have faith when we see it over and over again? Samson did it with the jawbone of a donkey. Uh, Shammah, the son of Agi, remember that guy? One of David's mighty men, 2 Samuel chapter 13. He's the one that stood in a patch of beans and defended it from the people. Lentils, to be exact. You like lentils? Who likes lentils? Yeah, nobody likes lentils, all right? That's what Shammah could have said. Who wants lentils? They can have it, amen? It's just lentils. But Shammah said, these may just be beans, but these are God's beans, and I'm going to protect. And so everybody in Israel fled, except for Shammah, and he stood. The Bible says his hand clave to the sword, and uh, he was victorious. Gideon did it with his 300. They put their faith in God. Faith is more essential than numbers. Purity is more essential than popularity. Saul was all about popularity. Uh, not Jonathan, he had the right attitude. It's the attitude that A.W. Tozer, uh, when he said this, anything God has ever done, he can do now. Anything God has done anywhere, he can do here. Anyone God has done anything through, he can do through you. We've got to have that attitude before. You know, the same God that gave David victory over Goliath, we serve today, the same God that, that gave victory to Gideon and his 300, we serve him today. The same one that knocked down the walls of Jericho, we're still serving him. He'll still, he'll still do great works. We forget the important principles and we look for lives of ease. We look for the easy way and we look for the shortcuts uh, when we just need to trust him. Then we also, again, as I mentioned when I read it, have this confidence in the leader here. I am with thee according to thy heart. The confidence that the armor bearer had in Jonathan. Oh, this speaks of the armor bearer's, bearer's character, it does. But it really speaks of Jonathan's character. Because confidence, uh, uh, great leaders inspire great confidence. And Jonathan did so. Eleanor Roosevelt said this, A good leader inspires people to have confidence in the leader. A great leader inspires people to have confidence in themselves. And since she didn't finish the statement, I'm going to write the rest of it. The best leader inspires people to have confidence in God, I, I believe. So that's what we really want. It's good to have confidence in leaders, but we really want people to have confidence in the Lord. And so uh, the armor bearer showed his support, not only in his words, he showed it in his actions too. You follow God confidently, you're going to inspire others. Inspire others. What a blessing. You know... Uh, if I can pick on you guys a little bit tonight, Harris is, you know, so have an accident, the police helps him, and where does he drop him off? At church. That's a great testimony, man. That's a great testimony. He could have just as well taken you home, but he, but they come to church. And so uh, one way or another, that, that uh, officer had to come into the church, to a church parking lot at least. That's a great testimony. So uh, those type of things, we, we, if we confidently do the right thing, we're going to inspire others too. And uh, hopefully that was a good uh, an inspiration to him as well. Let's look at verse number 8. Uh, 
we will uh, finish this up, we will discover ourselves unto them. If they say unto us, tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and will not go up to them. But if they say thus, come up unto us, then we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered us them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. So we see wise caution here. There's, we see the providence in the caution. Again, he's giving some of it up to God. Lord, if you want me to do it, I'll do it. But I want to be sure you want me to do it. This is such a good thing because Jonathan's not being rash. It might seem rash, might seem brazen, it might seem reckless. He's not being reckless. He wants to do it according to God's plan. And so uh, he, he uses this as kind of a, a, a sensitivity to God's lead. If Lord, if you'll allow this to happen, then I will do exactly what you uh, tell us to do here. Uh, Jonathan was following the principle that Samuel gave to Saul, do as occasion serves thee, chapter 10, verse 7. If you remember, uh, John, that's what he told Saul to do. So Jonathan would go as far as he could in his difficult circumstance, but then when he could go no further on his own, that's when he would look to God. That is a great principle for our serving the Lord. Do what you can, then let God. Don't expect God to do what you can do. You do what you can do, and then you let God do what you cannot do. You remember uh, when God, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? Remember what he told him? Uh, he he uh, removed the stone. They had to remove the stone. And when Lazarus hopped out of the grave, they had to unwrap his grave clothes because Jesus did what they could not do. He raised him from the dead. They did what they could do. They had to remove the stone. They had to unwrap him. They, they did everything they could do, but only what they could not do, Jesus did. Just an example. There's many out there as well. But uh, we need to have that, ex that whole attitude as well. And so he wasn't being reckless here. He was not a bull in a china shop. Uh, he would go as far as he could, and if the door closed, he would let it close, but he wanted to do, to, to do God's will. True courage is not without wisdom. Uh, true courage does not mean you're dumb, okay, foolish. There's still wisdom involved in courage. The attitude of jo that Jonathan had here is not an easy one to have where we submit everything to God. Jonathan was willing to fight, and if God said fight, he would fight. If God says, nope, don't, through this sign that he set up, then he would not do so. He was not being a circumstantial Christian, or as we might say, a fair-weather Christian. He was going to do whatever God wanted him to do. He was looking to God, not his circumstances, to determine his service. Whew, we could park there, couldn't we? We allow our circumstances to determine our service. It's kind of cold out. I don't want to go to church today. It's chilly. Don't the blankets feel better on Sunday morning than any other morning in the whole week? Don't they? I mean, you can be honest. There's nobody here but us. You're no better. No, you're no holier than I am, okay? The blankets feel wonderful on Sunday mornings. Uh, reason for that. Verse number 12. The initial fatalities here of the Philistines... Uh, was just 20 men. wasn't very many considering the thousands in their army. But Jonathan knew that to start a, to start a big fire, you've got to start a small fire. got to get the thing started. You don't have to have great numbers to do great work. Not, not every time. Just be faithful. Do what you can. Let God do the rest. We need to do that in our service too. Sometimes we think because we can't do the big, we won't do anything. Just do what you can. Remember what Jesus told the lady who broke the alabaster and the, 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 uh, uh, the, the disciples sitting around? She could have sold that and given it to the poor. Jesus said, leave her alone. She hath done what she could. 
There's a lot she couldn't do. but She could give that thing to Jesus, and she did. She did what she could. That's what he expects of us. He doesn't expect what we can't. He expects what we can. And so offer your little and watch it turn. Maybe it'll turn into something big. Have you ever considered that the men who led Spurgeon and Moody to the Lord, they didn't have a lot of conversions. They didn't preach to thousands. They didn't reach even hundreds. Maybe they only reached one or two. We, we know uh, Moody's uh, uh, Sunday school teacher, Kimball, was, Edward Kimball was the one that led him to the Lord. But in winning Moody, what did he do? Man, he started a huge evangelistic fire with a spark. And he, I mean, hey, is Edward Kimball going to get reward for all Moody's work? I believe so. I think of Carl Hasty. Many of you know his name because of my testimony, but the world doesn't know who Carl Hasty is. Uh, Carl Hasty just was faithful in witnessing to an Amish fellow for over a year. That Amish fellow got saved, led seven other Amish men to the Lord. Now there's missionaries, pastors, pastors' wives, deacons, treasurers, uh, all over the world, literally, because of that man's one, one man's witness. Didn't didn't do a he didn't couldn't preach. I mean. He was kind of an odd duck. He had some, uh, he had some, some things that we might not even say he was a good Christian. But he did what he could, and God used it in a great way. What a blessing. Let's just be faithful is what I'm saying. Be faithful, what God wants you to do. Verse 11. Philistine said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. There's only two of them. But somehow God uh, put the fear into them. Jonathan and his armor-bearing coming down off that cliff shocked the Philistines, and it caused them to think things are worse than they really were. And so they, uh, they, they, the, the ground quaked, by the way, verse 15. So Jonathan and his armor-bearer did what they could. Do you think they could make the earth shake? Do you think they bring about an earthquake? God did, though. God brought that about to help them. They did what they could, and God stepped in. Let's be faithful. If we would just be about the business of doing our duty, we'd see God step in. The problem is we want God to step in without us doing our duty. I don't see anybody saved. He that goeth forth and, and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again, bringing his sheaves with him. But it involves a going forth. It involves a telling. It involves a witness. All right, There is a part that we ought to do, and then God will bless now back to Saul, verse 16. Look where it says here, And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and they went on beating down one another. Now, this is the first mention of binoculars in the Bible. Okay, I'm making an assumption. But let's assume he's looking through binoculars, and he sees what's... Whoa, you won't believe what's happening there. The Philistines are beating down each other. They're fighting amongst themselves. There's a commotion. They saw him on the run. And then, uh, then Saul realized that Jonathan and his armor bearer were missing. Look at verse 24. Uh, it says here, And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening, that I may be avenged on mine enemies, so none of the people taste any food. Now this is what we're going to get into next week. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> it, it, in fact, we'll, I'm not going to go into too much of it right now. We're out of time anyway. But he goes to the priest now, what he should have done in the beginning going to God for, for, uh, for help. Once he sees the battle uh, commenced, once he sees really victory on their side, all of a sudden he's ready to jump on board and get involved. 
interesting how that happens. Um, Jonathan was all about his duty, whether it was hard or not. He was about his duty. Uh, he said, I'll take a risk and let God bless my efforts. Saul says, I'll sit here and wait for God to show up. Which do you think God's going to use? Not the guy who sits around, but the guy who gets busy. There's an old Latin proverb, fortune favors the bold. I think God does too. Let me give you a few examples. Proverbs 28.1, by the way, the Bible says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the bold... Uh, but, I'm sorry, the righteous are as bold as a lion. It was the boldness of David that stepped forth and slew a giant. It was the boldness of three Hebrews who stood up to a wicked king and lived through a fire. I always called them asbestos Jews. They wouldn't bow, bend, break, or burn. Uh, nothing could destroy them. It was the boldness of Daniel that caused him to stand for his convictions, and he got to go on a camping trip with a bunch of lions. It'll be your boldness to stand up, witness, stand for righteousness that'll make an impact on others. Saul was only ready to get on board when victory was assured. Jonathan was ready to serve no matter what the circumstances. So I hope that that's your uh, desire as well. Father, we thank you for this example here in Scripture. We pray that you'd help us.